My name is Charlotte Wilson. I'm Rachel Rosman. And I'm Sharissa Foley. Welcome back to another edition of Bound for Justice. Uh, We just met a couple of days ago, ladies, but we agreed that we were going to get back together to continue the conversation that we started this week. Today is, let's see, what's today? Today is Sunday, June 7th. Um, We had our first conversation on Tuesday, June 2nd, Blackout Tuesday. And as we mentioned uh, earlier this week, we are in the midst of, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm calling it like America's Racial Reckoning 2020. Um, That's sort of the the label I'm putting on it right now. But um, we're in a, a period of turmoil. I think we're on our 12th day of protests across the nation, protesting a series of racial events that have occurred with um, prim- the, the most recent and the most um, incendiary that the uh, the killing of George Floyd fully recorded uh, by the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, of course, Breonna Taylor, who would have turned 27 this past week, um, killed while sleeping in her own bed um, by the Louisville Police Department. And then, of course, the again, the on-camera assassination of Ahmaud Arbery by um, a number of gentlemen in Georgia who decided that they needed to take the law into their own hands and, and execute him on camera. So as a result, we've seen protests that continue, significant protests that continue across the United States and across the world. Um, I was watching a a, um, news story on CNN this morning uh, where they were basically recapping all the places across literally the world that are protesting and um, standing behind um, the Black Lives Matter movement in support of what's happening in the United States and also fighting against racism globally, which is pretty amazing and um, inspiring, uh, but also, you know, also, I mean, quite frankly, you guys, exhausting. Um, and so I know we started last week's show talking about how we were feeling. We were getting caught back up since we have taken a break due to COVID, how we were feeling then, how we're feeling about everything that's happened. And so just would love to reopen the show today to do a quick check-in with the both of you to see how you guys are doing today. I am kind of exhausted, emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. Um, It's just been a lot. You know, you think of 12 days of all of this, it's, and it's been nonstop and constant. Um, It's just kind of (laughs) draining and emotional. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where I am. I'm, I'm, I've taken the weekend to kind of just relax and not do a whole lot and just kind of try to recharge. So that's where I am. How about you, Rachel? I have been, I guess, I kind of feel like I haven't been doing enough. Like I haven't gone to the protests. I've been researching different information, but I feel like I never know what I should be doing next. And I don't know if this mattered to you guys or not, um, but I was, I had had friends that weren't coming over to hang out or to meet with me or to talk due to the curfew being in place. And so last night I was over at a friend's house and people were more people being like six people total because less than 10 were less nervous about going over because before they were nervous that if they were driving past curfew and they got pulled over and were a black individual, that w- they were setting themselves up for some, for trouble. And so I think that with the curfew being taken away, that kind of made it, made me a little feel a little bit better because I could... I could see friends. I didn't have to worry about them as much when they left. And none of my friends lived downtown. So it wasn't like they were driving right through all this trouble, but they had that on their hearts kind of just mm-hmm. with their tra- going from one place to the other. So 
So I guess that was kind of a good thing that happened. Um, but we'll, we'll get into more later, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I feel pretty tired too, (laughs) mentally and emotionally. Um, I feel like I can't, and I know this is something that I need to do, but I feel like I can't stop reading, looking at stuff, thinking about it. Um, and not, but with this sense of like, just wanting to, I don't know, I just take it all in and, and use it as an opportunity to kind of process how I'm feeling by, through reflection of what I'm seeing other people do. And honestly, I'm, I'm still doing, I think we, we may have mentioned this earlier in the week. I'm still looking and kind of keeping track of who I see say what. And who does or doesn't say things? I mean, I've been, and, and I know you, you, we could get into a whole conversation about whether or not that's fair. You know, number one, whether or not that's fair and whether or not that's legit, just posting something online, does that really make you anything? Um, but I also say explicitly not posting anything says even more in my opinion. So yeah. I wrote notes about that. Uh, so yeah, I have some thoughts about that same thing. So we're on the same page kind of, I think. <laughs> So I, I did um, chat with you guys before we started um, recording. And, and my question to you was, you sort of like, what's your intention for today? What are you kind of thinking about? What do you want to make sure we accomplish? Because this is kind of an open conversation. I think we agreed we just we are going to kind of keep it an open conversation and let kind of let it flow and just sort of, you know, continue to speak from our heart and, uh, you know, share what has happened to each of us individually over the, you know, the last five days since we last recorded. So fair. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up real quick, though, when we're talking about social media, do you feel like I'm not even sure what to post anymore? Because if I like, I don't know if I can, if I'm allowed to post outside of everything that's going on in the community. Like I posted something today that was just sort of lighthearted and amusing about my life. And then I was like, oh, is that offensive? Like everybody's so stressed. Am I allowed to am I allowed to have funny things posted? Like, am I allowed to be joyful when other people are in the streets and protesting. And mm. So I think it's that unease kind of of everything that's going on and you just aren't sure how you're supposed to be reacting maybe. That's a good point. What do you think, Sharisa? Is, is Rachel allowed to be well, joyful? Absolutely. Yes, Rachel, you're allowed to be joyful. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Can that, all of us be joyful though? Like, is it allowed for everybody? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I think that there has to be a balance. It, it can't all be about, uh, there's on one side where it's like, it can't be all about everything that's going on. Um, we, we need a little bit of a, a break from the constant of everything that's going on. But at the same time, we, we just can't ignore what's going on. And so for me, if I see somebody, this is just my personal opinion, if I see somebody posting something funny or lighthearted or what have you, but they haven't addressed anything about what's going on in the world, that's what makes me question where they're at. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to be judgmental, but I'm just taking note. I'm just like, okay, just... I'm just taking note Um, because if you are silent and not saying anything, then to me, that makes me think that maybe you don't care about what's going on or you don't see that there's an issue with what's going on. 
But on the flip side of that, I think some people perhaps just don't post on social media very often. And so they may not be saying anything in general. That's a whole nother category. But if you're just completely dismissing it and not saying anything, even if you don't know what to say, I think you could at least say, I don't know what to say, but I see and hear all of you and, you know, some say something. So that's kind of where I am with it. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with with posting some of the normal stuff that you would post about just in general. But when you're completely silent, that's where I'm like, hmm, where, where are you at with it? So that's my two cents. That's fair. And I did like, Sharisa, how you brought up that I see you, I hear you, because I have seen a lot of that where people don't know what to say, I think, but like white um, allies are kind of stepping up or white friends are stepping up and saying, I don't know where I where I fall in this, but I do see you and I hear you and I know this is affecting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's helpful. That's fair. That's, you know, we don't always have all the right words to say, but just acknowledging it, that's that's valuable. I so it is if you guys don't mind, I I want to tag on to that. That's sort of that I don't know where to start kind of um, conversation. I had two interactions over the last five days that were, they were related, they were related in in the fact that they both were, um, one was an online conversation, one was a, like a verbal conversation, but they both occurred with young millennial aged white males. One person who was telling me things about them that I never knew. So first and foremost, this is a person who made the point of asking me how I was doing, um, a coworker. And, um, I think was only the third person who had actually said something to me at work. And I think that I'm like, I basically said like, I'm not sure if this is how you feel about this, but I just want to know how you're doing with everything. And I think that I said very few people ask me and bring it up. So I appreciate the fact that you actually asked how I was doing. And then we proceeded to spend 40 minutes talking about everything. And I learned a lot more about this person. I've known them for two years um, that I didn't know ever. And um, just about, their sort of their path towards or their journey of um, becoming more more aware of issues affecting the black community and developing close relationships and friends, true, true, genuine, deep friendships with people of color and how much of a difference that made. But we also talked about the fact that that's a really hard thing to do. This person came from a faith based position based, you know, basically believing that um, that doing this is, is the, is part of what it means to actually live out the Bible and be a good Christian. Um, and doing anything other than that is basically not following the word of God. So that helps. Um, but then, so on the flip side, I also had a um, social media exchange with a person similar aged who was kind of, they're kind of going through their mess, kind of saying like, they're trying their best to be, I think they're trying to say, Hey, I'm down. I get it. I, you know, I, I, I see where you guys are at. I support you, but the, the words that they're using are just coming out a little too clunky. And so they're getting some pushback and some correction from their friends saying, you think you get it. We appreciate your intention. However, be aware of this, be aware of this, be aware of this. What you're saying is actually offensive. We see the spirit in which you're doing it, but you need to come, you need to come correct. And what you're doing right now is not correct. And, and they're, they're, um, expressing their own version of white fragility. Like, oh my gosh, I'm just done. I'm so hurt. I can't believe you guys don't understand where I'm coming from. And my response back to that person was, 
be feel blessed that you have so many people who actually care enough about you to correct you. You have good friends around you and you should feel grateful that you have people to walk through you as you sort this out. And basically don't let your heart be hardened. Um, you're going to get it wrong. Be humble and be willing to admit that you might be wrong. And I think that, that, that was, um, that was a good thing, but I think there are probably a lot of people who are walking through that too. And then I had one more thing that I listened to last night. Um, somebody who is considered to be an expert in the coaching world. They have a podcast that I've subscribed to and listened to in the past. Although I'll tell you, I personally am going through, and again, I'm doing that check and I'm looking at the people professionally that I follow. And I'm having some, some difficult conversations with myself about whether or not I really want to follow that person anymore, depending on how I've seen them address what's been going on in America. And if they're not addressing it and they're silent, I may just decide that they're not for me anymore. Um, I just, I don't think I have enough space to allow that in my life anymore. So anyhow, this particular person had recorded two podcasts this week. One was a podcast in response to pushback and criticism she got from her community because of the way that she was responding to things. And she was talking about how hurt she was. And then she recorded another one the next day, basically saying I was wrong. And she was talking about the conversations that she had with her diversity coach who helped her realize that she can't fix a problem she doesn't see. And she basically admitted that she's oblivious to stuff because of her white privilege. And she's got a lot of work to do. And she's going to use her platform to share with people her journey while she comes to terms with some stuff that she's got to work out, some mess that she's got to work out in her own life. Um, and I thought, what a great way to be humble enough to say I was wrong. I got a lot of work to do. I'm getting some help from people who can actually help me along the way. And I'm going to let you know what I learned as well. So just sort of that humility to say, this is where I'm at. I'm not perfect, um, but I want you to learn as I'm learning. I found um, kind of in a related situation with me, if I have, I'm, I don't, I don't want everybody to know this, but I'm kind of petty about certain things. And so I would read things online. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make your comment, Charlotte. <laughs> I was just going to give you a smart crack, but go ahead. You don't need any of those. You can do it yourself. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but like I would read things that people posted and I think they were posted with good intentions. And then I would be like, oh, this, am I taking this the wrong way? So I went to reach out to a friend um, and I texted her um, who's, she's been a, a close friend for a, a long time like 15 years, I guess, um, lo longer, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I said, Hey, I've got a couple questions. I might be looking at something wrong, but I know this is exhausting for you this week. So you don't have to respond to me right now when you're in the mood to deal with this, let me know. And she called back fairly shortly later. I was like, nah, I'm militant. I'm mad right now. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and so we, she was on the same page as me. So, you know, of course that's why she's my friend. Cause we don't disagree on anything. And so, so it was kind of, I think that people need to have that in the back of their mind. Cause at first I was just going to be like, what do you think about this? How do you feel? And I thought this whole week's probably been very exhausting for her these last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, her job, everything going on. So I can't expect her to drop everything every time I think something is offensive because, you know, I'm looking at it from an outsider's view and then come back and tell me what she thinks or if I'm right or if I'm wrong. And so I think it kind of took a minute for me to be like, oh, wait, I'm being that person right now. I've got to really step back and and kind of give her more control of the situation than I was originally going to. So, 
That um, kind of leads me into a thought and a conversation that I had <clears throat> with some friends this weekend. Um, I've seen some posts about it's not black people's responsibility to educate white people. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And I, I agree with that. And, but then somebody said, well, what if I don't know how, how am I going to learn? And I said, well, I, I personally think there's a difference between expecting somebody to provide you with and educate you versus you <laughs> having questions and asking for maybe assistance with understanding something. I think those are two different things. And so it's not, I don't think that it's black people's responsibility to educate everybody about what's going on. You, you have to step up and, and do your, you have to take that first step. But then I do think that um, meaningful conversations come when you're willing to, to open up that dialogue with people who are trying to right. learn. So I think Rachel, you're, your conversation that you just spoke about with your friend, like I felt like you were extremely respectful of them and you weren't expecting them to educate you, but you do value and how, how they're, how they can help you. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just, I want to sort of add on to that. I think what, what we just heard Rachel say was she put that, like you said, she put that person's feelings first and foremost and was most interested in where they were coming from and where they were thinking about, as opposed to, Hey, could you do me a favor and help me figure this out? You're putting the other person first. And that's what a true friendship is. And I think that's the difference. If you're just turning to somebody to be your information person, and that's all it is. And it's not a true, genuine friendship where you're actually connecting with that person on a human level, which is what we really need. We need community and we need relationships with one another. That I mean, that's where you get that true understanding, right? That's different. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> Let me just keep patting myself on the back. Thank you guys for supporting me in that. <laughs> You know, one thing that I, a lot's happened since we last recorded last week. And, and one of the things that has been a marked change in regards to the protests have been um, how the police are now responding, um, at least here locally. There was a lot of um, violence and just tension um, with the protests when they first started out. And then the approach of the Columbus police changed and they came out a little bit less uh, defensive. Um, and so it's made a marked improvement and change in the tone of what's going on in the protests. And I'm glad to see that the tone has changed. I am wondering why it took so long for that to actually happen. Um, but um, I, I, it's definitely made me uh, take more notice of, like, I didn't know who the chief of police was. Uh, I didn't even realize that there was a, a female chief of police um, that she just recently, she's not in that position anymore. And I didn't even realize exactly when that happened. So it's kind of making me uh, take notice and, and realize that I need to be more aware of stuff like that. And so the, there was a curfew that was just lifted. I think it was yesterday uh, where they finally lifted the 10 p.m. curfew. And so I, I'm glad to see the change. I, I wonder what will happen next. I am going to kind of go off of that, but in a more negative fashion. Um, I think 
I think the police department really needs to kind of, it's almost like it's an entire job of white fragility. I've seen, they post things, they have social media and I, I followed them. I stopped following because I was getting frustrated with the whole situation. So I might join back up again, but, but it was very much like, look how great of a job we're doing. Like we're, there was a post the other day, I think I shared Mm -hmm. it with you guys. And I was really bothered by it because it was like, look at this white officer saved this young black child. And like, you know, you spit on us and you yell at us, but here we are out here saving black children with, and we're white. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to point out the obvious, but I'm pretty sure my tax dollars are paying you to do your job, which is going out and saving people when they need it. And so I was really like, not a, I was just put out like, this isn't your moment, you know, (laughs) let this one, you guys are getting it pointed out. There's some real issues that we need to address among this profession. So don't put it all on you now. It's not about you and how you're being mistreated. Like, I was really offended by the whole thing. And so I don't know if they need to have somebody else who kind of goes in there and gives them some sensitivity training or how to deal with stuff like this, but they're not, it's not it. right? Well, and I think I'm just wondering, I don't know how many people in in our, um, in the Columbus metropolitan area realize that there were a lot of um, tensions already brewing with the Columbus police department. I think some people think that, um, People have used what happened in Minneapolis as an excuse to complain about Columbus police. But there there have been an, a series of ongoing issues that started way before this. And this, again, I think people, this is just a tipping point, but there have been major problems. And in fact, I heard just this morning, and I'll, I will admit, I, I didn't, I was not 100% able to verify what I saw but the assertion was that there is a there. I don't know if you guys remember. It's been in the last year and a half. There was a Columbus police officer who was caught on camera stepping on the head of a man who had just been handcuffed. And I think he was on the ground and he like literally stepped on his head um, and he got fired. He was just reinstated over the weekend because of the union. Really? Mm-hmm. really? So this person was basically saying, oh, yeah, we have all these protests and people are saying there's not a problem. But then you're reinstating people who have clearly been demonstrating violence. Um, and then you guys, I, I think you guys are, I mean, there, there have been a number of issues. There was the whole vice department and that, oh, my gosh, yeah. let's not even go. So it's not like this is an excuse to just complain. These are things that were already happening. But my understanding too, and I don't the 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 Citizens Review Council or this. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? This this new group that they're supposed to be putting together to review um, allegations or incidences of police violence. It, that's a relatively new thing, right? Did that just happen? Do you guys know? I feel like I did hear something about a, some kind of new task force review board, something along those lines, but I don't know any details. I believe there's something in the police contract right now where if they don't have enough complaints about a specific person or a specific incident, they can just kind of sweep it under the rug. So it might be kind of in response to that because they don't have to look at every single complaint, I guess. Is gotcha. The, so that might be a way to kind of address well, Maybe back to your point, Sharisa, about taking a greater role and paying attention to what's going on. So we are, we, we are very aware and understand, you know, what's, what, what the complaints are and what, what is being done to address them or not being done. Did you guys see the, and I'm trying to find it here. I wish I would have looked it up earlier. Um, There is a whole, there's a list of these eight things that you can look up 
to see if your local police department participates in these eight specific things, like one of them being chokeholds, um, one of them being like um, shooting at a fleeing vehicle. One is announcing before you shoot some of those eight things. Anyway, you can put in, I'll find the website and we can link it at the end here, but you can put in for your local police department to see which of those policies they actually use. And then you can petition to have them not use those particular tactics. But I saw that there of the eight, four of them Columbus police do not do and four of them they do participate in. So that's, that's one thing that I didn't know before all of this started. So it's definitely, a, a, I've got some learning to do myself. So, And that being said, I believe, I don't believe that the Minneapolis police, I thought they came out and made a statement that kneeling on somebody was not one of their approved ways of like restraining somebody. So just because like a department doesn't enforce it or doesn't, you know, allow it doesn't mean it's not being done. Mm. Good point. So, I mean, how are they going to be handling that situation too when they find out that this is being done? Oh, 8cantwait.org is the website I was referring to to find out about the eight uh, things that happen in your local police department. So I wanted to ask you guys about um, the NFL statement from Roger Goodale that, oh, by the way, we were wrong. (laughs) We should, we shouldn't. (laughs) It's okay to kneel during the anthem. Sorry about that, Colin Kaepernick. Apologies. Um, what do you guys think about you that? You still have a job. You still have a job. Your career is ruined, but what do you think? <laughs> that whole thing is just, it's so angering and despicable to me. Like, really, like, to me, it's kind of empty. I mean, even with the Drew Brees thing. It's hard because I want to give people an opportunity to right their wrongs and to say, you know what, I was wrong and try to correct it. But sometimes that stuff just falls really flat and is really empty. So it's just like I have, I have, I wrestle with that. I have a hard time with, you're going to have to prove it to me. I'll have to see over time. Yeah. You have to prove it to me. How about some reparations? <laughs> that was the other that was the other are you asking if that's gonna help well I'm just saying like that's the other that's the one of the other conversations that I had with somebody this week and they're like so what do you think about reparations um and I'm like well reparations are like really a real thing that could happen but what I do see where I think there are some organizations that are putting their money where their mouth is is I I have personally received a number of um emails from corporations saying we're giving $250,000 to these organizations. And I, I guess what I'm hopeful for, and I'm trying to be hopeful out. I, I will fully admit that there is this, I, I got a lot of skepticism sort of, you know, in one year it's hope, but the other year it's a little bit of skepticism saying, don't, don't get too, don't get too sure of that. This is how it's going to be, you know, hold out. Don't be disappointed. Um, but but it is good to see a lot of organizations saying we're we're making this donation to this organization because we know this matters. And so we're putting money behind it. It's not just an empty email that we're saying, um, but we're actually going to put some money behind this to um, drive change. I'd like to see the NFL do that. And I don't just mean some little deal with Jay-Z. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a whole nother yeah, topic. <laughs> don't need to go there. 
Um, there's actually another book with it's $40 million slaves. And it talks a lot about how the um, NFL and NBA are, are, I'd say a lot of the athletes are black and yet all the managers are white. So it's like, you have to do what I say because, you know, I'm the one that has all the money and I'm controlling all of this, but you don't have to say anything because this is your job. And I think that that's kind of, maybe more people are realizing it a little bit, but that's still not changing it. Like, they can say, yeah, we're sorry about that, Colin Kaepernick. But now nothing's changed. <clears throat> and they can make that statement. But is that really going to fly? You know, next time somebody tries to kneel for the for the anthem, are they going to still be getting called names or getting blackballed from that? From the well, how about we talk about um, having black representation in the upper echelons of the NFL? Let's put some executives in positions of power right. that yes. look like our athletes who are getting their brains smashed in. For your entertainment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I we need some yeah. representation big time. So speaking of representation, I didn't have this on my list, but now that we're going. Um, Uh-oh, <laughs> you, you got your finger. <laughs> did you? I can see your Did finger. you guys see that Alexis Ahanian, who is um, who is the founder of Reddit and on the still on the board, husband of Serena. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about, Rachel. Okay. Yes. F- I go do. ahead and finish. I don't need to give the punchline. He, well, you can, it was your story, <laughs> but, but he resigned from his, from his position on Reddit to have himself replaced with a more diverse candidate or a more diverse um, person on the team. But then I've seen where people are like, but why did he have to take that step in order to get that done? Like, why did he have to step down before they would hire somebody who was like a black um, member of the Reddit, I guess the board. management, the board. I don't know. I don't know yeah, how was, board, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how well, Reddit and then works. I saw somebody else. They all have like, I saw um, somebody else who was like, shut up. It's his own company. He could do whatever he wants. If he wants to do that, he right. can do that you know, <clears throat> so. right. and he has really, he's been really vocal about supporting his wife in a lot of different areas. When people have kind of said things about her, um, he's kind he's gotten right up there and, 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 uh, come back with comments and he's not been silent with race issues this whole time. He's not that guy that's like, I'm married to a black girl, so it's okay. Well, And he's been very vocal about the fact he's like, in this world, people will see my daughter as a black person. And I recognize that. And I'm going to do everything I can to create the world that I, you know, a good world for her to live in. I had not heard that story about him. um, But I got to say that if you're married to Serena, you got to be pretty like, (laughs) <laughs> on it. You know what I mean? Like she's not just marrying mm-hmm. nobody. So, so I'm glad, I'm glad to hear mm-hmm. that. Very cool. Hope, hopefully some other people follow his lead. I'm, I'm going to pick up from that actually, Charlotte, from what we sort of talked about as we were getting ready to start recording about, um, I discussed how it's like white ally versus white savior issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, is good when somebody kind of sets up that, that scenario, like, look, I'm going to kind of give the, give the platform to someone else. Um, and I had talked about how I, I posted a thing on social media about if you're putting the attention on yourself, then that's more of a white savior vibe. Or if you're putting, if you're helping out to give other people the attention they need or, or the support that they need, then that's more of a white ally. So I think a lot of the times when I've been watching the protests and I've been 
kind of talking to some friends and people, there's that fine line where you're like, I don't know, where are they, where are they falling on this? Mm. Um, I mean, I've got really great friends who are white allies, but there are some other people where I'm like, I think they're, I think they're on the wrong side of that equation or that, uh, that situation. So I think that's something that again, white people need to kind of check other people on like, Hey, I see you're trying to help, but what's your, uh, what's your goal? What are you trying to get out of this? So I've been thinking a lot about this too, Rachel, and that's where I feel like, Um, So I do think that there's a place, especially for organizations to say the world, the world does, is, does not function the way in which we want it to function. And here are the things that the specific steps we're going to do to make things better. We're going to put our money where our mouth is by donating money, spending, you know, donating and giving our time, protesting, developing relationships. But I think it's just as important. Um, for those people who want to be true allies to do the hard work to understand the past so that you have a you have context for the present. And I honestly think that if you don't do the work to understand the past and to learn the history, um, you will not understand the present. And I don't think it's good enough to say that was in the past because the history repeats itself. And what we're seeing today is history mm-hmm. repeating itself. So you just can't, you will not understand unless you do that work. Um, and I think that that's the number one job of every person who wants to genuinely be an ally is to go do that work. Um, but I, I will tell you, though, I guess the, the question is, what's going to make it different this time versus last time? And, and this was a point that actually came up um, when we were watching our online services today. Um our pastor um, gave one of the most direct. My, our, our pastor has always spoken out about um, issues of of race and race racial reconciliation and what we need to do as people of faith when it comes to um, loving everybody that's that that lives on this earth and that's a child of God. Um, but today, his he was pretty darn direct. Um, and one of the things that he pointed out um, was about the march on Washington and a lot of the other um, civil rights marches that occurred back in the 50s and 60s um, led by Dr. King and the very obvious absence of evangelical Christians in those protests. And I mean, he called out, he's like, there were Protestant, there were mainstream Protestants. um, There were Jewish people. There were people from other walks of faith. There were, there were no evangelical Christians. He's like, you You could actually find evangelical Christians criticizing the movement, but you couldn't find any who were actually standing in support of it. Um, and so his, his question back to the congregation today was, what's going to be different this time around? Let's not let history repeat itself. Let's make sure that we're on the right side of this this time around. Um, and it was... It was pretty darn direct, which I really appreciated. Um, and the and the other thing that happened this week for me personally, well, for our church, and then I, we attended um, on Wednesday night. They hosted a service of lament, and it was a parking lot service where every, you had to register ahead of time. You could go um, sit in your car and listen to the service live um, from your car. Um, but they, I'm going to try not to cry. Um, <clears throat> it was really good. They had um, several of our, our black pastors speak. 
Um, and then at the very last thing that they did was um, a lament, an actual lament led by um, our one of our new incoming co-pastors who happens to be a woman, which is really awesome. Um, but through the lament, she said, we repent of racism. And I think that's really important for Christians to recognize is that racism is a sin and you need to repent mm-hmm. from it if you want your heart to be changed. Um, and so I think it's really important for us, for people to think about that and call that out. If you if you consider yourself a person of faith, whether it's Christian or you you walk in another vein, um, if you consider yourself someone who 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 believes in love and loving all of humankind and you haven't been acting in that way, whether directly um, explicitly or through through silence and allowing it to happen and not doing anything about it, there's a place for us all to repent. I think it'll be really important for um, for those people of faith um, and and the the leaders in the faith community. They're they're going to have to um, step up, um, and you know, speaking from a, a faith perspective, I think there's um, a reckoning within the church that needs to happen. Um, like you said, Charlotte, sin is sin, and you've got to repent from that. Um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything like that. But there's there's got to be some change, and I I feel like the church has a responsibility to be a catalyst and part of leading mm-hmm. that change. So I've I've um, Charlotte, your pastor is amazing. I've always uh, liked him, um, and so I think he's a, a great leader in the Columbus area and community. Um, and so I'm I'm hoping that we'll continue to see more of those bold statements from our faith leaders and not just in the mm-hmm. Christian area, it, it, all faith leaders need to step up and, and, and call things out and, um, and unite us. Uh, that's what we need mm-hmm. is that unity. So I'm glad that you were able to attend that service. It sounds like it was, it was awesome. Impactful. It was really good. Yeah. I think that a lot of churches are starting to make that stance. My pastor has gone to some protests. He's been posting online, <laughs> which I I've loved, but so I think that, I, don't, I mean, I suppose that we kind of are a group that kind of that pretty much got lucky or we sought out a church that would be accepting and liberal, I guess, liberal. I don't uh, know, not cruel. Actually believes in the Bible. <laughs> what do they, what do they call that these days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we sought out non-racist <laughs> churches. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even my pastor last year did, I believe it was last year, did a sermon and it was um, oh, Black no. Sheep Matter. <laughs> And he was kind of going through because <laughs> he was trying to go through the Black Lives Matter and he would show all the pictures that people are given through um, throughout lo- their lives about religion. And it's always like this white guy holding a white sheep in the middle of this field. And mm-hmm. and he's like, everything's so Eurocentric. So then he was like, I really had to try to find a way that I could lure the entire congregation in before I really hit him <laughs> with that Black Lives Matter thing. <laughs> <laughs> so when he came up to Edwards, he's like, did you like the sermon? Um, but no, I really appreciate that there seem to be more of these pastors that are out there. And they did have a group of pastors who went down to, to do a silent protest or a peaceful protest. And, and I, it's, it's awesome. Like my pastor might be, if he leaves, I'm going to be able to look at those protests and <laughs> see where I want to go next, I guess. <laughs> So we agreed, um, the three of us, that the next book that we would be reading is um, Stamped, which is a a young person's version of the Abraham X. Candy book, Stamped from the Beginning. But this is sort of a remix of that book, 
Um, that was um, obviously the original content from came from Kendi, but the remix version is has been created in relationship or in um, cooperation with Jason Reynolds, who is a popular um, young adult um, novelist. Is he a novelist or a, a, a? I mean, what would you? Is he a novelist? I would. Yeah, I okay. think he's he's a novelist, young writer. adult. I just call him a writer. Yes. This seems a little like less horrible. Author, um, young adult writer. Yeah, he's. Have you read his, My his stuff have, before? Personally, um, I read All American Boys, which is by him and Brendan Keeley, I believe is the other guy. Um, and it was an interesting. I really I recommend it to people if they're kind of on the border with the whole police. Um, brutality issue because it has uh, the perspective of the kid who was hurt of the that was the victim of the brutality and then it has a kid who knows the police officer so it was a lot of that um, how can he be a bad guy or one of these bad seeds or bad apples when he's always been so kind to me and he was like a father to me and and so it did that um, kind of contrast that contrast and I I appreciated that um, I saw him talk I saw him speak I think last year at a library he's a uh, really good really good guy. I mean, both of them were great. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm excited about this. And since it's young, I want to read it with my daughter who isn't thrilled about spending time with me <laughs> with a book, but we're going to give it a shot. Well, I downloaded the, I downloaded the audiobook and the Kindle book. Um, and I'll tell you the audiobook is only four hours long. It's so easy to listen to. Um, we listened to it together as a, um, a family, like chapter of it, like during dinner the other night. Um, and I've listened to most of it on audiobook so far. I do want to go back and reread some parts of it, but I'll tell you, um, I learned a lot. It's really easy to digest and it challenged me and it, it, um, I think, feel like it was a very honest portrayal of, um, some of our leaders in black history too, portrayed in a way that we don't always see them, um, the good and the bad. So it, it definitely challenged me, um, but I feel like I've already learned so much from from just listening through to the audiobooks. I'm really excited about um, talking more. Um, and I know one of the things that we want to do together as a group is we want to um, treat this more of a, a book club type discussion that we can we can invite other people to participate with us. in. so I guess that's our call today is that the next book that we're reading is Stamped by Ibrahim X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds. And we want to invite you to get that book too. You're going to have to do the audiobook or the Kindle or the Nook or whatever it is, ever, whatever ebook platform <laughs> you use, because you're probably not going to get a paper copy of it. Uh, but we really want to invite you, if you're interested in doing the work of understanding our past so you have a better um, understanding of our present, this is a great place to start. Super easy. Um, and if you want an opportunity to bring your kids into the conversation, again, a great opportunity to do that too. I'm very much looking forward to this. I have started it. I'm in, I think, the first section. I've already learned a lot. It's super easy to read. Um, I had the book before um, the pandemic hit and all the libraries closed. I had like just picked it up. So I still have uh, my library copy. It's probably overdue now since the library is open again, <laughs> but I'm not trying to get back in until I'm done. Yeah, they don't find you. <laughs> right. They don't yeah, find there's no you. fines yeah. anymore. But I also have the audio book too. So I'm I'm doing both because I want to, I want to, I do both better with both. But um, 
I, I do plan on uh, having some discussions with my two young teenager sons. Um, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to finishing the book and talking with you guys about it. And I, and I hope the rest of you that are listening join us too. I, I, I've got another friend who uh, is going to read it as well because she knows that we're going to do this. And so I'm looking, I'm looking forward. So to stay it, tuned so. for more details on how you'll be able to participate and be an, um, an active member of the discussion on this. I hope you guys have a good week and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye. Sounds great. See you later. See ya. Bye.